Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for this beautiful day you blessed us with. Now the awesome opportunity once again to get back in your word. Help us now as we continue our studies as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Bible study from A to Z in the word happiness. Of course, as we have read already in John chapter 15, verse 11, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Those are the words of the Lord. And we know He's preserved His word for us to be able to study and for that to bring us joyfulness and happiness, of course. And over in Acts chapter 8, we see the spreading of the the word into cities and them having great joy, as it reads in Acts chapter 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death. Now the setting here is the death of Stephen that was stoned after preaching to a group of Jews and that Saul, which we also know him as Paul, was there, as it said in verse 58, and cast him out of the city and stoned him, speaking of Stephen, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Now, Saul was a Pharisee and, of course, gets converted later after further trying to arrest some Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem to be stoned and all kinds of horrible treatment and so forth. Get back into it here in chapter 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death, the death of Stephen, of course. And at this, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. This is the, the key, is right after the stoning of Stephen, there was great persecution. So even in the midst of such a horrible event of the stoning of Stephen and the persecution of the church, we can see happiness come upon people. And as it continues in chapter 8, verse 1, And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So the Christians scattered. They took off. They knew it wasn't safe to be in the area of Jerusalem anymore because of the stoning of Stephen. But the apostles, with the boldness that they had, because this time they were indwelt with the Holy Ghost, they stood fast right there and continued to spread the gospel. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. This is the key point. Because of the horrible event of the stoning of Stephen and the persecution of the church by Saul, it created a scattering. They started scattering all over. It reads, When Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them, and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and 
that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. So we see, following the horrible event of the stoning of Stephen, resulted in the scattering about of the Christians, spreading the gospel further, going out into other areas, and bringing great joy into those other areas. Showing how the Lord can take something, the horrible event, even as of the horrible event of the stoning of Stephen, and turn it into something that spreads joy and happiness elsewhere. So they spread out, started spreading the gospel. And of course, receiving the gospel, they had great joy and great happiness. And over in Acts chapter 13, as these people continue to spread the gospel, and we see this being after the conversion of Saul and becoming Paul and becoming a great missionary. And while Paul is out there spreading the gospel, he goes to Antioch. And at Antioch, he's speaking to the, the men of Israel. And we can pick this up as he's in a synagogue preaching to them in Acts chapter 13, verse 26. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this, this salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew not God, nor yet the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. He's pointing out here how the rulers in Jerusalem should have realized the truth and the fulfillment of the Word of God and that the Word of God actually prophesied that they would reject it. So they were fulfilling the Word of God. And though they found no cause of death in him, speaking of Jesus, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, this is the fulfilled prophecies, that they themselves were not even believing, but yet were fulfilling. They took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher, but God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them, which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. This corruption is speaking of the decaying of the body, the raising of Jesus Christ. So Paul is preaching the gospel, the good news of the death, burial, resurrection, and, of course, the ascension of Jesus Christ. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was 
laid unto his fathers, and saw corruption. His body decayed and rotted away, of course. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption, Jesus Christ. His body didn't lay in that grave and rot. No, he, God raised him up out of that grave, giving him that glorified body, ascended up to the Father. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, we now have the opportunity of forgiveness of all of our sins. He paid for the price of all sin, of all mankind, past, present, and future, going through that horrible crucifixion and death and burial. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, ye despisers, and wonder, and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. This is like what he's speaking of earlier about the rulers that were fulfilling the prophecies, but yet were denying the very thing that they were fulfilling. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Quite the reaction, quite a wondrous reaction. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. The Jews couldn't stand it, that this was coming about. Because they were no longer going to be as important. They were no longer going to be the only ones that were considered the children of God. They were not the children of God because they didn't truly believe. They didn't believe the Word. They didn't believe Jesus Christ. Now, this isn't all the Jews, of course. This is the unbelieving, the non-believing, the resistant the Jews. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold which is awesome. They didn't cower in fear. They waxed bold and came stronger through this experience. It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, speaking to the Jews. But seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. That's the Great Commission, to go out and preach and teach the gospel to all mankind. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews... This, of course, the unbelieving, the Antichrist Jews. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coasts. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium 
and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Why would they have been filled with joy and after this event unfolding? Because they knew they were doing a work that was mattering. They knew it was effective. They knew it was resulting in many people believing in the Lord. Even though there was a lot of resistance, a lot of persecution, which the Lord told them was going to happen, and it was being fulfilled. But they were still fired up, still excited, knowing that this persecution was coming upon them because they were effective. The devil was up against them because he didn't want them spreading the gospel. All right, now let's go over to Romans in chapter 5. And here we see some teachings of Paul to the Romans in Romans chapter 5. Let's pick it up right here in verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, justification is being found innocent. And the only way to be found innocent is to have your sins forgiven. And the only way to get your sins forgiven is to trust and believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's speaking of. Therefore, being justified by faith, faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the conduit. He's the one who made this available to us by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, just like the hardships and persecutions that they'd already suffered that we just read about, and they were joyful in that, and they referring to it here as well. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. That indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost, filling them with the boldness they need, with the encouragement they need, with the strength that they need, with the happiness that they need. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It was definitely grace, because we didn't earn this salvation. We were given it by grace, unmerited favor. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now receive the atonement. We joy in God. That joyfulness comes upon us. It isn't supplied by ourselves. It's supplied from the Lord. And therefore, it's greater joyfulness, greater happiness than we could ever achieve of our own or that this world could provide us. 
So we have that kind of joyfulness available to us when we become filled with the Holy Ghost, which we receive when we trust Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. So He can be with us and give us that joyfulness no matter what the situation is. And over in Galatians chapter 5, pick it up here in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, immolations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, rivalings, and such like, of the which I tell you, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the life of the ungodly. That's the horrible existence of not having the Lord and not being filled with the Holy Ghost. In verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit. How do you have the Spirit? By trusting in Jesus Christ. And the Spirit comes into you, which is the Holy Ghost. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. So if we walk the pathway, we should be walking. We'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. And all those fruits of the Spirit will come forward and we'll have that happiness. We'll have that peace. We'll have a purpose in life. And He'll give us the strength that we need to be able to stand up against the wiles of the devil. We can put on that full armor of God. And when it's time for us to depart from here, whether it be at the rapture or at the end of our days, we can be looking forward to a glorified body that he writes about in 1 Corinthians, another letter of Paul to the church at Corneth, where it reads in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, pick it up in verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doeth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality." So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ." Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That ought to bring you great happiness, to know that we're going to receive a glorified body, one that will not corrupt, that means rot away or decay, an immortal body, a body that will not 
wither away, will not die, we will live for eternity with this glorified body that we will receive in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And when will we be receiving this? We'll be receiving this at the rapture, as it speaks of over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. The wonderful, wonderful words, knowing that within a moment and a twinkling of an eye, as it said over in 1 Corinthians, we're going to receive that glorified body, and we're going to ascend up to be with the Lord, and we will always be with the Lord. Wherever He is from that moment forth, we will be with Him, and we'll return with Him and establish the millennial period, ruling and reigning with Him for a thousand years with that wondrous glorified body, and be looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth. It's so much available to us, so much ahead for us. Over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16, since we're looking forward to such wondrous things, since we can have the full joy of our salvation, since we can be filled with the Holy Ghost, we need to apply these words in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Evermore. Rejoice. You rejoice when you're happy. You celebrate when you're happy. And we need to be rejoicing always because we know what the Lord has done for us. We know what He's promised to do for us for eternity. Therefore, no matter what your situation is, whether you're in the midst of such severe persecution that we read about earlier, the hardships that can come from that, you can still rejoice. Read it again. Verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Simple as that. Not rejoice when things are going just exactly like you want them to. No, rejoice evermore. In verse 17, pray without ceasing. When you have that constant communication with the Lord, then you have that assurance of salvation. You have that peace that passeth all understanding that comes upon you. And then in that you can find happiness. You can find joyfulness in the midst of whatever. Verse 18, in everything give thanks. That's another difficult one to do, but in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We don't always understand why we're going through the things we're going through, whether they be things of great joy or things of great sorrow. But we know there is a purpose for all of it. 
and we can still stand fast on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ and our trust and belief in Him and the grace that He's already poured upon us, the promises that He's given us, the hope that is within us, which is that confidence in the fulfillment of the promises that He's told us, the prophecies that He's given us. When we have that constant assurance of the fulfillment of those, then we have that peace, we have that happiness, we have that joy. Quench not the Spirit. When the Holy Ghost is dealing with us, we need to listen up. We need to abide by the guidelines that He gives us, the teaching that He gives us, the direction that He gives us. Despise not prophesying. We know it's been prophesied that the church is going to go through great persecution. Don't despise that. Hold on to that, knowing that, yes, it's going to happen. We're going to go through it, but we're going to be receiving rewards that we'll be able to benefit from for eternity. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. That means a test. Look at it carefully. Did this come from the Word of God or just out of some guy's imagination? Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Don't blend right in with the rest of the world and become evil like them. Abstain from that. Pull out from that. Get away from all that. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. He's going to do what he's told us. He's going to give us all the many things that he's promised to give us, that glorified body. That ought to make you happy no matter what's going on. And you have those aches and pains and woes, you can say, praise the Lord, I'm going to really enjoy that glorified body because I'm not going to have any more of these pains and, and woes and concerns because he's going to bless us with that wondrous things that he's told us over there in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So that's what we have to look forward to. And he's given us all this information that we can study, just like he said back over there in John chapter 15. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. So we can have full joyfulness, full happiness, when we truly and completely and fully trust in Jesus Christ and His prophecies, His work, and what He has in store for us for eternity. That's a lot to be thankful for, it's a lot to be looking forward to, and that's a lot to be happy about. Let's close. Lord Jesus, now we follow. We thank you oh so much for your word that does give us that joyfulness. It does make us happy to know all the many things that were prophesied and how they were fulfilled in the intricate detail. So we know the prophecies of yet to be fulfilled will be fulfilled in exactly the way you've got them laid out there for us to be studying and understand and know to give us that confidence that we have so much to look forward to and that we can still be happy in this lifetime and in this realm no matter what we're going through. Thank you all so much for that as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.